Hello and welcome to Grace Lutheran Church Sermon Podcasts. On this podcast, you will hear the latest sermons taken from our weekly worship service. Our hope is that you will find joy and comfort in knowing the forgiveness of God through Jesus Christ. We're in a series called Stop Being Afraid. How many of you are afraid? There we go. Fear strikes us all. Today, our topic is fear in the storm. In around 200 years after Christ, within that time period, as more of the Gospels and the letters of Paul were actually being copied and printed and circulated and distributed among the congregations from Jerusalem all the way over to Rome, the word was now printed. An origin, one of the church fathers says, was incarnate in Scripture and could therefore touch and teach those reading it. Well, during the next 200 years, by about the year 400, the time of Augustine, meditation on Scripture was called Lectio Divino. Lectio Divina is Latin for divine reading. Lectio Divina, or divine reading, is still practiced today. We practice it, hopefully, on a daily basis. It is reading God's Word slowly, intentionally, meditatively, and prayerfully. Lectio Divina invites us to personalize Christian truth and God's message by taking it deeply into our hearts. It focuses on the written Word. Today we're going to do something a bit different, known as Visio Divina. This Latin phrase means divine seeing. It's like Lexio Divina, but instead of listening to God through his word, we will reflect on God's message and truth through art. Visio Divina also invites us to personalize God's truth by taking it deeply into our hearts using our eyes as well. Today we're going to be meditating using Visio Divina. Assisting us is a painting by Rembrandt called Fear in the Storm. But first, I want to introduce you to Rembrandt. Here he is in a self-portrait from about 1659, 10 years before he died. Although Rembrandt painted around 40 self-portraits over his lifetime, and torn. After stunning successes in his late teens and early 20s, Rembrandt got married and started a family. But his first three children died as infants. Then soon after a fourth child was born, Rembrandt's wife died. He remarried and had another son. But Rembrandt ended up outliving his two adult sons, and he outlived his second wife as well. That's seven members, family members, that Rembrandt buried. Finally, Rembrandt died in 1669, dirt poor, broken, and forgotten. Rembrandt knew about life's storms. Rembrandt knew all about the storms in life. The one we're using today in his art is painted in 
3, and it's called On the Sea of Galilee. Thank you, Carla, for printing this out. This is great. I'm glad you were able to do that. The one we're using, Storm on the Sea of Galilee. The painting is in your bulletin. Those listening at home streaming or those who are going to be listening on podcast, look it up. Rembrandt, Storm on the Sea of Galilee. The painting is the story of Jesus calming the storm on the Sea of Galilee, taken from Matthew, Mark, and Luke, particularly Matthew 8, verse 24. And there are two things to notice about this painting as you're looking at it. First, it's the storm Rembrandt focuses on, not the calming. Instead of the the calm before the storm. Consider the storm before the calm. Second, we see the disciples and Jesus in the boat. But we better count those disciples to make sure they're all there. Count them. Don't count Jesus. How many are there besides Jesus? Go ahead, shout it out. Eleven? Who said thirteen? Thirteen disciples. In addition to the twelve disciples who are with Jesus in the boat, there's a thirteenth person. By placing an extra person in the boat, Rembrandt invites you into Visio Divina to personalize the gospel narrative by taking it deeply into your hearts, realizing it in your life. You really have no calm before the storm. Life is storm after storm. Look at the picture. The boat lunges and lurches like a kite. Everyone is in peril. Rain is falling like cats and dogs. Lightning like a silver in the night sky. Clouds vibrating and rolling thunder. Ten-foot waves pick the boat up and slam it down with bone-jarring force. Think for a moment about your storms. You might say, I'm in the storm, all right. Only the storm has called my children. They don't listen. They don't have any interest in the church or faith. Or I'm in the storm and I'm tossed around by doctors' referrals and disappointing treatments and possibly unmet expectations for a cure. Or I'm in the storm, all right. You say only the storm is called being alone. No one to share my life with. Children are in the storm as well. Tossed and turned by ugly names, big bullies, painful drama in their lives. I'm in the storm, all right, you might say, only my storm is called old age. And I'm tossed about by regret and remorse, not to mention my declining physical abilities, aches and pains. Well, Rembrandt invites you to board his boat with him and reflect on your storm because one of these sitting in the boat is you. Which one is it? Take your pick.
man on the lower right side of the boat? Do you see him trembling with anxiety? Could that be you when you think about your storm? Anxious, nervous, no way out? What about being sick to death? It looks like there's someone tossing their cookies overboard. On the lower left is a man with his hand on his forehead leaning over the side of the boat. He's about to throw up. I would guess that's how some of you have felt. I sure have. Worried sick is what you call it. Stomach problems, digestion because you're just worrying and worrying. Are you like the man who's sick? You spill your guts at any moment. Has your stomach turned and churned over children, the safety of them, or your finances, or your future, or your possible failure that could happen at any moment? Looks like two disciples are angry at Jesus, standing right before him as well. Have you ever been angry because there's a storm in your life and Jesus promised you peace all the time, yet the storm keeps coming? You've lost so much already. You have so much to regret. Have you, you let him know how you feel that he should do this right now and calm that sea? Have you chosen to ignore him? Walk away? Why didn't you help me? Kind of looks like there are two that have checked out too. One on the lower left of the boat is dressed in white. He's completely disengaged. He's He's kind of given up. The second man is in the stern, kind of holding the tiller. Perhaps that's Peter, but he's checked out too. There's no expression on the faces. He's just going through. Have you given up? Thrown in the towel? Going through the motions? Emotional? Said underneath your breath, I'm done. I'm finished. There's also denial. The man in the blue shirt is holding on to a guy wire and he's staring out into the raging storm and thinking, this really can't be happening to me. I checked the weather maps and everything looked good. There should be no risk here. I didn't sign up for this. Can you identify with this man? I don't deserve this. How do you cope with it? What are you doing? Or what are you eating? Or what are you smoking? Help you deny your storm. It's not there really. There certainly are storms in our personal lives and we can deny them. We can try to fix them ourselves. We're barely hanging on to what we've got. We sometimes get sick to death or even shout and try to escape them by any means, liquor, drugs, medications, you name it, just anything. But there is something else going on in this picture too that hits closer to home for us. Since ancient times, the boat has symbolized Christianity, the whole church. It appears at the end of Acts. It appears when Jonah goes to Nineveh, a boat of faith, the whole Christian church. All those on board are believers. They follow Jesus, pulling people into it from the swells of suffering and sin. That's the ancient picture of the church, a boat on the stormy waters of life. Like with personal storms, the church of God is in a storm. The struggles and sufferings in this world affect all kinds, all of them. The storm that it is, 
is seemingly unsurpassable. And at times you may fear that we that you are barely hanging on paying bills, salaries, utilities. Try as you might to fix these problems ourselves by giving more, contributing more, strategizing more. If we only do this, be more proactive, we might feel all shook up. How did this come about? When did the storm clouds first appear? Some of us might be angry. Makes us sick to think about it. And it may, may make us want to give up because this is the only spiritual home that some have known. There's only one disciple who's looking at Jesus. He's kneeling. Looks like his hands are clasped right in front of him. Trust and reverence. What a thought. Is that you? Are you looking at Jesus in the storm? Look to Jesus in the storm. How can Jesus look so relaxed in such a huge storm? Well, Jesus isn't just in the storm. Jesus is also in his Father's arms. Jesus isn't just in the storm. He's in his Father's arms. He invites you in your storm into the Father's arms as well. After all, when all hell breaks loose, resting in your Father's loving arms is the only sensible and safe place to be. Why do you think that is? Well, do you see the cross that Rembrandt painted in the picture? It's the mast. It's what holds the sails. We're convinced that our Heavenly Father loves us because he sent Jesus into our storm, the mother of all storms, didn't he? Not in a boat, but on a cross. Not on Galilee, but on Golgotha. Not the wind and the waves, but our stench and our sin. A cross, an ugly, wicked, God-forsaken, blood-stained cross. Our storm. There Jesus carried all your sin, all my sin, pain, brokenness, and it cost him everything. But look, look, in the painting, Jesus is gazing toward the opening in the sky and the light breaking through. I think that's why Rembrandt looks like he gave him blue eyes so that you could see that his eyes were the same color as the sky. Life and light conquered darkness and death. The dark storm of Good Friday most certainly gave way to the brilliant light on Easter, and we are safely in the Father's loving arms forever. I said before that our congregation is in a life-threatening storm that will seemingly destroy the boat, but our congregation is not the boat. Our congregation is all those believers in the boat. The boat belongs to God, and God's church, of which we are a part, will never be destroyed. What confidence to know that we are safely tucked away, leaving God the Father guide his church of all believers throughout the world through every storm. It's like the man who you can barely see in the door opening leading down into the belly of the boat. That's why I made the picture a little bit brighter. Can you see him in there? 
barely outlined this. He'd be like the 14th person. He has a beard. I bet that's Rembrandt. As he appears in some of his paintings. He appears in the tomb of Lazarus in one of his drawings where he's painted himself in. I think his painting gave him hope in painting scripture pictures. Storms in our lives come and go, but with each seismic wave that comes, your life is not lost. You are still in the boat, in the belly. Fix your eyes on Christ. Look at the cross on the boat. Your future, our congregation's future, is not to survive alone on a desert island because as rocky and unsure as the sea is, we're still in the boat, God's boat. Through seismic activity, shockwaves can destroy God's grace and mercy and love? No. His church is triumphant. Storms are seismic. That's what Matthew calls this storm in Greek, in Matthew 8. Seismus means earthquake. We know what earthquakes are. That Matthew calls it a seismus, an earthquake. Matthew uses seismus two more times in the gospel. Once in Matthew 27, when Christ died again. In Matthew 28, verse 2, when Christ rose. The word seismus points to Christ's three great victories. Defeating fear, defeating sin on the cross, Defeating death at the tomb. Though Matthew uses those three times, only once does he say that's in Matthew at the resurrection. The graveyard massively moved. The stone was massively shaken and rolled away. Christ has conquered every enemy. Christ has. Christ is the calm before the storm. Christ is the only calm in the storm, and he brings the calm to the storm. The man kneeling before him in the painting knows this. You can't calm your storms in life. You can't calm the storms in the church. Neither your vomits, nor your anger, nor your workaholic attitude, nor your strategy overcome any storm. No calm will come except it be from him who through the cross disperses the clouds of fear and doubt, failure and paranoia in your lives. Look at Jesus in your boat. The Jesus who has authority over wind and waves. The Jesus whose seismic activity shatters death and sin and shakes you to new life. The Jesus whose cross shows you that you are held in your Father's arms forever. You need to know you and your church are always in God's hands. Let's pray. Jesus, give me a visio divina, a divine scene. So I personalize the storm on the Sea of Galilee and not only see myself in the boat, but all the more see you with me in every storm, now and forever. Amen. To know more about Jesus and our ministry at Grace Lutheran Church, please find us at www.gracealoneonline.org. You'll find additional sermon podcasts and your favorite podcast channel every week at 
www.gracealoneonline.org forward slash sermons.